0: Well, you maybe have never heard of this issue, but if it happened to you, um, you wouldn't like it. It's called mental disorientation, or more correctly, spatial disorientation. Let me show you a picture of it, okay? Here's what happens. A pilot is flying, maybe at supersonic speed, all right? And they are in the middle of a large cloud, okay? And they don't know it, but they're upside down. Can you imagine that possibility? This is a true possibility. And there are, there are several occurrences where pilots have met their death because they were experiencing what's this called? Spatial disorientation, and they didn't even know it. There's strong speculation that JFK Jr., remember he died in a plane accident probably 15, 20 years ago? There's some indication that this might have been exactly what happened to his plane that day. So here's what occurs. They're in the middle of a cloud, okay? And they can't see the ground and they can't really see the sky because they're in the middle of a cloud. Their instruments are telling them that they are upside down. But their mind, their heart, their own thoughts are betraying them, and they don't even know it. And so the pilot's getting all kinds of alarm, I imagine. Too low, whatever it is, low altitude, I don't know. There's some beeper going off in my imagination. Beep, 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 look out, look out. And so the pilot now grabs the stick or the steering wheel or whatever it is, and what do they do to go up? You all know, right? You've all seen the movies. They pull back on that stick, right? Thinking that's going to lift them up in the air to safety, but instead, what? Takes them right into the ground. What a... What an awful thing to happen. It was an F-15 pilot that did this about 10 years ago. Died in just this way. Now... When I was looking for a picture of this, I saw this one. And I don't really know where it fits into our message today, but I want to just show it to you. Um, here's a goose. This is an actual picture, okay? This is a true picture. This has not been doctored. This has not been photoshopped. This is out of the Telegraph on May 20th, 2009. This is an amazing picture. It's an amazing photo that this, that this photographer was able to get this moment of what happened. So a strong wind comes in. And if you can't quite see it, that goose is upside down. But his head, so cool, is turned all the way right side up. And he's able to recover. Now I like that goose. That's pretty cool. Say, what's the point? A lot of us, a lot of people around us are in a mess. They're flying upside down. And every correction that they try to make seems to be the exact opposite thing that they need to do. Their every instinct is wrong. They probably should just do the opposite, but they don't. God calls out to us, God is our instrument panel through His Word. Telling us what we need to do, how we need to respond. Do we respond to God's instrument panel? Or do we respond by our own instinct? Particularly in the area where I want to talk about for the next couple of weeks into the months is in the area of our relationships. And we're going to get real personal together for the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about our relationships and we're going to come into your home and deal with those relationships. And I want to challenge you to to follow God's commands, to follow what God calls us to, even when it doesn't seem to make sense. Even when your every instinct is saying no. Listen to God. Be like the goose, I guess, and keep your head on straight and respond to the Lord. Because you know what? Families and marriages are in trouble. You know, I thought about throwing statistics up on the screen here so you can see that, but we've all heard it to death. Ad nauseum we've heard about how the divorce rate is this and how that in the church is, is greater or the same as outside, and we see the, the really the dissolution of family and marriage. It's all over the place. It doesn't take a number or a chart to convince you that marriages and families and relationships and moms and dads and kids were hurting and we're hurting one another. And we need to respond to God's word. Go with me in your Bible. Open up your Bible this morning. I'm going to start today in Ephesians chapter 5. And I want us to understand that all around us, we are seeing the standards and the ideas of the world system being played out. We are seeing the kingdom of the world being lived In relationships. And we're seeing the wreckage of it. If anything, if anything, I can see where God is going to use. I believe God potentially could be using what we're experiencing in our culture to wake up our world. Because out in the kingdom of really the world... Many people have completely abandoned God and his instrument panel. And they are quickly seeing that family and marriage and parenting doesn't work. Not according to their system. So in the middle of that dust, in the middle of that cloud, there could be a group of believers There could be a group of followers of Jesus who are like a city on a hill, who are like a a light in a dark world that are displaying what God calls us to. You see, there is a kingdom of this world, and there is a kingdom of God. And what I want to do today is, is start us down this path of talking about relationships in God's kingdom. And I want us to talk about what God's plan is for our relationships. Some of the most sacred and special relationships in your life. We're going to talk about your relationship with your husband. Your relationship with your wife. That marriage relationship. We're going to talk about your relationship with your parents. Children in the room. We're going to talk about Parents' relationship with their children and how they are to operate. Because God's plan is that our homes would be lighthouses. Now, our homes aren't going to be perfect. Far from it. But they represent Christ and his church. So you're in Ephesians. I just want to show you, just give you an idea of where we're headed I've got some dates on your worship notes. If, you're, if you want to follow along with us for the next couple of weeks, you can see what we're going to be talking about. Today we're going to talk about general relationships and, and really the, God's plan, God's kingdom relationships. In two weeks, from the 21st, we'll start into Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 22. Where we're going to talk about wives and what God's plan is there for the wife in the marriage relationship. And how that's to function. And how that that relationship is to impact her life. And how she can respond to her husband. Then we'll go a little further and we'll talk to husbands. In verse number 25 of Ephesians chapter 5. Where it says husbands love your wives. And we'll talk about what that means. And how Jesus is the example and the model. His love for the bride of Christ is the model for us. After that, we'll talk about the permanence of marriage and how it represents Christ in his church and how divorce is a never-never for us as believers. Then we'll turn the page and get to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll talk about children. And children would be anyone who lives under the authority of their parents. So that could be age birth through young adult. And here's what you need to recognize, children that are in the room, if that's you, you have such an impact on the status and on the state of your home. You you have no, there's no way that most children have any kind of an idea the impact that you have on your home. What is God's call to you? How do you live in obedience as a 6-year-old, an 11-year-old, an 18-year-old? How you respond impacts your home greatly. And then we'll, we'll conclude with a look back in the Old Testament at what God had to say about the home and about the relationships there. So I'm looking forward to this. Let me just tell you a little bit about my life story. Okay? Now, I was raised in a home where I had a mom and a dad who loved one another. There were five kids in the family. We were very involved in church, but we really weren't a Christian family. We really weren't. My dad, I, I love him. I, he's a model of my life. But at that time in their lives, they didn't really understand what God's intent was for the home. So I came into marriage and I came into fatherhood and had no real biblical picture of what that looks like. Is your story similar to mine? And so I had to find people. I had to search out for what does this look like. Now, we are far from a perfect family. Come to my house today and you will see. But God has impacted our home through his word. And the Lord's plan in my life, I ended up in vocational ministry as a pastor. Served as a youth pastor for about a decade. At the end of that time, the, the church asked me to make a change in my, in my ministry focus. And I went from a youth pastor to what was called a family pastor. And that meant I spent a lot of time with families. With couples with moms and dads, and saw what was happening. And it was impacting in my heart. Folks, we need to know what the instrument panel is calling us to. Because some of us are flying upside down. And we try to correct, we try to do what we think is right, and it's the exact opposite. Opposite. So that's where we're headed, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I want to encourage you that if you know somebody who's struggling in their family, this would be a great thing to invite them to. Invite them out to see what does God's word have to say about family. Because if you know somebody who has a family, they need to know what God's word indicates to them. But before we can get there today, I want to talk about something that might feel a little bit distant from this topic, but it's essential for us to move forward. I want to focus today on the kingdom of God. And I say, well, how does that relate to family? Trust me, I'll get you there. The kingdom of God. And I have some things in the worship notes for you that will help you a little bit, but I want to talk about this idea of kingdom. Now, What's difficult for us about kingdom is we're not familiar with this concept of kingdom. I got a, we got a gift for Christmas this year. It's a fun little game. It's called King Domino. You ever heard of this game? King, who's heard of this game? Nobody. Okay, yeah, one person. One person. And, and they played at my house. So, King Domino. Here's what happens. You... Play this game and you try to build your kingdom where you are the king and you rule. You make every decision. You decide where this will be, where that will be, or you can decide to exclude a piece. You play through the game and you are the ultimate ruler. That's what a king is. You see, we don't live with a king. As a matter of fact, our country was born in rebellion against a king. Think about that. Oh, we all understand kingdom or queendom where I rule. You see, the kingdom of God is the realm of God's rule. It is the realm of of God's control. It is everything that, that is under God's sovereign control. And what I want us to do today, I want to take a few minutes and talk about the kingdom of God. And I want us to understand, I want us to see that we live in a world that has its own kingdom. And it is opposed to the kingdom of God. And I want us to choose today to allow the relationships that we're in to operate under the kingship of God. Because, ladies, Ephesians 5 is going to tell you to do something that the world hates. And, husbands, Ephesians 5 is going to tell you to do something that will seem impossible. And children, you are going to be told to do something that you do not want to do. And parents, you're going to be called to do things that, quite honestly, you just don't have the energy to do anymore. And so what we have to decide, what we have to decide is that God is our king and not me. I need to dethrone me and place God as the ruler of his kingdom and of my life. So let's talk about kingdom. You'll need your Bible this morning, okay? Because I'm going to make you move around a couple different places. All right? So a kingdom is, as I already said, the realm of God's rule. Now, there's three different aspects that we can really see the kingdom of God at play. First of all, in Psalm one hundred three nineteen, if you want to turn here, you can. I'll read it for you in just a few moments. We're gonna see that God in some way is ruling over King over all creation. God is the king ruling over this whole earth right now. Every aspect of this world is under God's rulership. He is reigning as king over everything right now. Psalm 103 verse 19 says this. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Every detail. God is sovereign over every single detail of this world. Now that causes a bit of a tension, does it not? There's a bit of a rub Because if God's ruling over all the kingdom, over all of creation, why is there death, pain, suffering, and anguish? Why? It's a great question. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. You'll you'll recognize this passage when you get there. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10. One of the things I want you to see as we turn around a couple places in our Bible today is how often this theme of kingdom comes up in the Bible. It is all through your Bible. This idea of the kingdom of God. Your Bible is just drenched with kingdom talk. It's, It's throughout God's word. God's trying to say to us, I am the king. Allow me to rule. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10, we jump into the middle of what's called the Lord's Prayer. You know it, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, so forth. Verse number 10 says, your kingdom come. That's a prayer of Jesus, praying that God's kingdom would come. So there's this rub, there's this tension where God is ruling over all things, but yet Jesus himself is saying, God, I pray that your kingdom would come. This is all through Scripture. And into the, into the far future, into the future kingdom, Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10. Listen to Revelation twelve ten it says, Now salvation and power and the kingdom of our God has come. So there's different aspects here to the kingdom of God. Remember what that means. It's it's God's rulership over all. It's the realm of God's control. It's the extent of his sovereignty. Now, most of the time, when you think of worldly kings, they have a realm, just like King Domino, they have a realm, and it's about geography. It's about geography. A king has a, a, an area that he rules over. And listen, there will be a day, hear this, there will be a day when God's kingdom will be geography. When Jesus prays, your kingdom come, I believe the primary thing that he is saying is, God, send your son to come to earth and rule from the throne of David, As the king over the universe. An earthly kingdom will come. But we're here. Stuck in the rub. Stuck here in the tension. Waiting for the kingdom. Now I give you a whole bunch of verses on your worship notes. Say, what am I supposed to do with those? You spend some time looking at those this week. And allow the Lord to challenge you about this kingdom idea, because I'm going to hit several of these, but we don't have time to, to look them up and really dive in too deeply. You should know this. God has been establishing a king, a kingdom, that is, for a long time. Exodus chapter 19, God says to his people Israel, you will be a kingdom of priests. This has been God's plan all the way back, all the way back into your Old Testament. God is establishing a place where his rule will be where his realm of control will be evident. started out with his people in Israel. We move along into the life of David, King David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, David as ruling as king over Israel. Just this week, they found another archaeological fact in Jerusalem indicating that Jerusalem has been the capital of Israel for thousands of years. Did you hear that on the news this week? They're like, oh, wow, who would have thought? The Bible had been telling us this for a long time. But David ruled as king over Israel in Jerusalem, but God shared a promise. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, let me read it to you. It says, I will establish his kingdom, speaking of David, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So God is promising that there will be this time when this kingdom is reigning on earth. And then we come to the life of Jesus. Go with me. You're going you're to need to turn now to Luke. Let's, let's, I want to spend just a couple of minutes paging through Luke. I want, you to, I want you to see this kingdom. Listen to how many times kingdom of God is in your Bible. And the, the kingdom of God, that phrase, is 68 times in your New Testament. 68 times. 32 times Matthew uses kingdom of heaven. And I believe that this is the exact same thing. So we have about a hundred times that this kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is being referred to. This is important to God. See what Jesus had to say about this kingdom. Let's see, first of all, prophecy about Jesus in Luke chapter 1. You're going to to start in Luke 1. We're going to end in Luke 22. We're going to turn through a couple pages. Look at this prophecy that is shared about Jesus in Luke chapter 1, verse number 32. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. There it is again. This rule, this this realm. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4. Verse number 43. Now we have Jesus launching his ministry. This is Jesus launching his public ministry. He's now saying, this is what I'm doing. Luke chapter 4, verse number 43. He says, I must preach the good news. Now we think it stops there, but it doesn't stop there. He says, Jesus, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. This is the message of Jesus. Go over to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, we're now moving further into the life of Jesus, into the ministry of Jesus. He's now experiencing opposition. He's now he's now preaching this message of the good news of the kingdom of heaven, and he's now being opposed. And look what he says in Luke chapter 16, verse number 16. You're going to be shocked as you spend time seeing how often this idea of the kingdom of God is all through your Bible. We should know something about this. Luke chapter 16, verse number 16, Jesus says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. Now, commentators and biblical scholars struggle over that phrase. It's very hard to translate this phrase into English. Here's what it means. Here's what it means. I'm going to just give you an idea of what it is. That all around the kingdom of God, there is violence. There is opposition. There is turmoil. There is tension around the kingdom of God. When we bring the kingdom of God into the life of men and women, there is problem. There is tension. There is struggle. Think about homes. Think about marriages. Think about children, where we have the battleground of opposing kingdoms, folks. That's why marriages struggle. Because we've got a king and a queen facing off. Who's going to rule? That's why parents and children battle. Because we've got a big king and a little king. And they're saying, I'm right. And the other one's saying, I'm right. What will happen? There's tension, there's turmoil, there's violence. Continuing in Luke. Go to Luke chapter 17, verse number 21. We'll get 20 as well to get the context. The Pharisees came and asked Jesus a question when the kingdom of god would come that's the that's the folks that is like the the beating question in the heart of the pharisees of the people who understood the word of god who understood in some sense the old testament god was going to bring a kingdom and but they misunderstood the fruition of this kingdom and so now they're saying is now the time when the kingdom of god would come and look at jesus answer The kingdom of God is not coming in the ways that can be observed. They're not going to say, look, here it is. Or there. But behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Right here among you. You know what Jesus is talking about there? Himself. He's saying, I am here. I am the king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. Go to Luke chapter 22 now. Luke 22. This is all through your Bible. Jesus with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. What did Nicodemus ask? You remember what he asked? He didn't say, how can I be saved? That's not what he asked. What must I do to what? Inherit the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. This is Nicodemus' question. This is his question. Luke chapter 22, verse number 16. See what Jesus says here. Verse 15, he says, I have earnestly, this is, this is the upper room. We call this communion now. Jesus would have called it Passover. I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer with his disciples. And he says, I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is an important term. It's an important concept. It's, a, it's an essential doctrinal truth that we quite honestly know nothing about. And so now I'm going to, in, a, in, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to talk about husbands and wives and children and parents. And you're going to, like me, when I read it, I sit there and I think, but what about me? But what about my way? What about what I want? Clash of kingdoms, folks. One more look at something Jesus said. I got this one for the screen for you. John 18, 36. Jesus before Pilate. Pilate is ready to sentence him to death. Pilate thinks he's in charge. Pilate thinks that he is the king. And he is now going to really just produce his will. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. That I might not be delivered over the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Folks, we've got, we have got to understand that we are surrounded by a host of kingdoms. They're all around us. Okay, They are all around us. Really, there's one word for what this kingdom is. It's the kingdom of the prince of the power of darkness, quite honestly. That's Satan. He has designed this system of kingdoms all around us. The kingdoms of man will rise and fall. The United States of America has risen, and it will fall. It will. The only thing that's going to last is Christ and his kingdom and his church. That's it. Kingdoms rise and fall. But what are we going to do as we live? Jesus prayed for God's kingdom to come. And the call for us today is to live under his kingship. You see, in this moment of tension, in this rub that we're in, waiting for the coming kingdom, Jesus has promised a kingdom, God has promised a kingdom, it's going to come. He's ruling over all things. In the future, there will be a kingdom, and I'm here in the middle living. And my role now is to willingly place myself under the loving care of the Father and His kingdom. You sang this, There will be justice, and all will be new. And every heart is longing for their king. Remember singing that just a few minutes ago? You did. You did. You cried out in the rub. You cried out in the tension. Oh, justice, I want you. Oh, newness, I want you. Oh, king, I want you. Let's bring it home. Let's bring it home. Two things about kingdom that I want to make sure we say today. The first is this. We need to to understand God's kingdom rescued. That God rescued his kingdom. And that the rescue was shocking. What it took for God to rescue his kingdom was shocking. That God was willing to do what had to be done, to rescue his kingdom. See, the kingdom tension was great. God ruling, man sinning, only one solution, the Messiah to come. Let me give you a verse up on the screen. It's from Colossians chapter 1. It's another kingdom verse. In verse number 13 and 14, you can turn there or look right up at the screen. It says this that Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us where? Oh, there it is again. To the kingdom of his beloved Son. He has transferred you. And there's joy there. We sang about our good, good Father tonight. Do you remember saying those words? See, that's the beauty of this kingdom of the beloved son. The king on the throne is my adopted father. What what a pleasure that is! I'm his son, and he's on the throne. Maybe your dad was a nobody, maybe you don't know your father. I don't know your story. Your adopted father. Your heavenly father. is ruling the kingdom. And you've been transferred there through the rescue of Jesus Christ. Kingdom rescued. I just ask you this question. Just put, put this way in your mind. Think about this week. Is the kingdom life that you're living, the kingdom, the kingdom response that you are living out in your home, How does it align with the cost that was paid? Consider the cost of what God did to rescue His kingdom. And then look at that compared to the kingship of God in your life. Do they align? Is there some reconciliation there that you can understand, that you can grasp? We were placed into the, transferred into the kingdom of God at great cost. One more thought before I wrap and really move back to Ephesians 5. And I want you to turn here because, or I have it for the screen, but go to Romans chapter 14. Sorry, I spent some time this week studying kingdom. It's all through your Bible. Romans chapter 14. This will be your last turn before we go back to Ephesians, so... Good job today. Romans chapter 14. Now in this passage, Paul is, is talking about things that people are arguing about and bickering over. And what Paul does is he says, hey, let's, let's rise above the dust. Let's get above the clouds. Let, let's, let's get above the, the little piddly things that we're arguing with one another about. Let's rise above this and see the kingdom of God. So in Romans chapter 14, Paul writes this in verse number 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Or I would add, obeying and submitting and leading. And it's not, it's not about that. It's not about eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, there's joy when we respond to the king. When the great overarching king, when he rules in our lives and we submit our life to his kingship, there's joy and there's peace. Righteousness means to align with the standard. That's what that means. When we align our lives with him, the king, there is joy and there is peace. So Paul goes on. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Verse 19. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding in your home. In your home. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, said this a little bit of a paraphrase, but he said this We talk of being a servant. We talk of the value of being a servant. And we understand that that's a good thing. I'm developing what he said, okay, here. We understand that's a good thing. And we, we champion that. I'm a servant, I'm a servant, I'm a servant. But then Tozer, in the way that he always does, brings this like left hook out of nowhere and says, but what happens when someone treats you like one? Kingdom is revealed. Kingdom is revealed. Ephesians 5. Hear the word of God. Consider the opposing kingdoms that rule all around us. Understand the things that I'm going to say in two, three, four weeks. If the wrong person walked in here, they'd probably throw me on the ground, beat me up, and drag me out of here, right? It's the clash of kingdoms. Ephesians 5, verse number 21. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Folks, that's the instrument panel. That's it. There may be alarms going off in your head right now. Beep, 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 pull up. You better make sure you're right side up. Don't respond instinctively. No, it's not our instincts that are right here. It's God's word that is true. We'll walk through this together. And I trust God will use it in your life. And I promise you that when we seek out his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Did you know that kingdom was there last week? When Pastor Billy preached out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? There it was. I sat there thinking, kingdom again. Seek his kingdom again. And his righteousness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we be submissive to one another. Because we're submissive to you. Take the king off the throne. Who doesn't deserve to be there. Conquer the usurper, Lord. And do it again today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing to rescue us. At a great cost, you came to transfer us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.